1: Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Fijian rugby refs to compete on the World 7 Series, Tonga at loggerheads over the 2019 Pacific Games, and Brandt Snedeker triumphs at the Fiji International. But first, Damien McGrath has a new job, but says he's still waiting to be told why he was sacked as Manu Samoa 7's coach a month after his dismissal. The Englishman led Samoa to a ninth-place finish during the World Series, they failed to qualify for the Rio Olympics. McGrath was unveiled as the new Canada Sevens head coach over the weekend, but says he's still waiting to be told why he was sacked from his previous role.
2: I received a call one Thursday evening, about 9.30, watching TV, and um, the CEO called to say, oh, the board meeting has, has just finished, and we decided to re-advertise your role. And I obviously I asked why, and he said, oh, um, I'll, I'll tell you tomorrow. So I went into work the next day, um, I was given a letter with simply said, your contract has been terminated with immediate effect. Um, I asked the CEO for a reason. He said, oh, it's not for me to tell you. It's, it's a board decision, so it's a board matter. From that moment, I'm still awaiting any official confirmation. All I know is what I, I read regularly in the press where they're making statements about different things. So
1: so you haven't had a conversation with any members of the board and, of course, the chairman is the prime minister.
2: No one's been in touch uh, from that moment on. I, 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 you can't do that, can you, in, in modern employment law, so, which is why I Handed the matter over to a solicitor in New Zealand who felt we had a case for redress. So I've kept my counsel since then. But obviously the the S I U through the CEO and and also quite recently through the Prime Minister have, have constantly made comments in the press. And it got to a point last week where the, when the Prime Minister made a detailed statement, which which solid my reputation. Um, which you know in, in any walk of life, your reputation is is what you you live by. Um, I felt it got to a point where I needed to make some kind of statement um, in reply, and so consequently I put out a release over the weekend.
1: You say in your statement that qualifying for the Rio Olympics was never a condition of your contract.
2: That's right. The only time that is mentioned in my contract is um, I was given a, a bonus structure to work towards. You know, if, uh, I would have received a financial bonus for different things, and, and it's there's one line where it says qualification for Rio, I would receive X as a bonus if that happened, but... Nowhere does it state it as a KPI or you know a, a major objective. I certainly wouldn't have taken the job on that, you know, if that had been the case, because with only ten months to try and do something, uh, going into an organisation with no strategic plan to try and make that happen. Very little in the way of resources. It was always going to be a tall order at best. So you know, we came agonisingly close, and um, but at no time was that a major objective of the job.
1: Is there um, you know, if you reflect on those twelve months in charge, I mean, what's the thing you're proudest of, and, and what is your biggest regret?
2: Well, the biggest regret obviously is is not getting to uh, to the Olympics in Rio. That's, that would have been a fantastic end to a great year. Um, we came so agonisingly close. I'm very proud of where we started and where we got to. As, as positive as all the comments have been now, at, you know, the end of my uh, year in charge. To begin with, it was difficult and people were questioning lots of things, and uh, we, we had to keep our nerve. and the, the players worked hard and improved, and obviously culminated in that great win in Paris. But you know, I'm very proud of the improvements we made throughout the year.
1: Do you have an inkling as to why they decided to sack you?
2: I've only heard rumours and, and, and hearsay. and I, I wouldn't go down the Samoan Ruby Union route, which is to you know to put those things out there. Unless I've got a fact, I wouldn't say it. So I have an idea in my own mind why it happened, but that's for them to come out and say in the end.
1: What do people on the street say to you? Because you have had a lot of support from the public uh, throughout the past year.
2: Yeah, it's a very humbling experience um, that, Everyone has been so supportive, and, and, and feel that I've been hard done to, and uh, you know, as I said, it's been embarrassing to a degree that you know that people have said so many nice things and been so positive of about my short tenure in the job. I love Samoa, and I love the small people, and it, it, it's going to be very hard to leave because we've made some great friends here, and just loved living the life here, and, and I desperately love Samoa to be successful. So whilst I'm looking forward to going to Canada, want to get there it's going to be very hard for, for my wife and I to back up and leave what, what's been a fantastic experience.
1: You had to look out for a yeah. new job as a result of uh, losing the first one. Uh, you applied for the Fiji job, and obviously you applied for the Canadian job. You've got the Canadian one. I mean, how many did you apply for in all? There seems to be every second, seven, seven's job is you know, up for grabs at the moment.
2: Well, those were the two that jumped out to me. You know, um, Canada's got such huge potential. Obviously, Fiji is is close by, and, and you know, without any argument, they're the leading team, and I was so delighted and excited to get the Canadian job because you know it's a it's a big project with with a lot of work to do, with enormous potential, and uh, that's something that really appeals to me.
1: That's the former Samoa Sevens coach Damien McGrath. Two Fijian rugby referees have been selected to officiate on the upcoming World Sevens Series. Kavini Talimaiva Velangi and Tavita Roko Verene have been named in a new look panel of whistleblowers to referee on the men's circuit, which kicks off in Dubai in december. twenty seven year old school teacher Talimaiva Velange says it all started when he was still in sixth form at Lothala Bay High School.
3: A rugby match back in school, and um, there was no assistant referee, so I was uh, I volunteered to be an assistant referee. From then, then the referee asked me if I can, if I want to be a referee. So I decided to help him, as uh, he was um, a bit old and a bit late in some of the um, running lines and all in the, in the ground. So I decided to assist him in uh, some ways in uh, helping from the side. I was just doing it for for fun. Back then, uh, in 2006, 2007, because I love training, I love running around. And I didn't realise that God has a plan for me to be in this tournament at this time.
1: You've been selected in the World Rugby Panel for the uh, Men's Circuit, the World Sevens Series. Um, Did you expect that? Was it a surprise?
3: I've done um, a lot of uh, Sevens and uh, we have talked with um, the selectors. I just thank the Lord Almighty for his uh, provision and guidance. And mostly it's a wonderful plan, as uh, his words in uh, Jeremiah 29:11 says, that he has a plan for us and a plan for our future that we hope for, for the plans and um, for the opportunity given.
1: What's the highest Sevens event that you've refereed at up until this point?
3: Here at home uh, we have lots of Sevens tournaments going on, refereed in the Fijian International Sevens, the Oceania Sevens in uh, Auckland and in Sydney, in the Commonwealth Youth Games in Samoa, the Pacific Games in Papua New Guinea, the mini-games in Wallis and Futuna.
1: Do you know when your first tournament is, or do you know if you'll be at the, du- will you be at the Dubai event in December?
3: At the moment, I've been uh, selected to go to Wellington and uh, Sydney Sevens. Those are the two at the moment. I will uh, try and do my best to work on those, um, the Sevens, the appointment, the opportunity that they have given me.
1: OK, and it's obviously a very special time at the moment for Sevens Rugby in Fiji anyway after the Olympic Games. Um, from a refereeing perspective, obviously James Bolabu was you know, a long-time uh, referee on the men's circuit as well, so um, I guess in some respects you're following in their footsteps.
3: James uh, Bolabu has done a lot for Fiji Rugby and also in the World Series, and I think he has, he has uh, painted a good picture for all of us for the upcoming referees to referee in the World Series. In that end, I, I thank Paddy and his uh, selectors for selecting and having faith in him and also in me to officiate in this level. I thank the um, FRU executives for nominating me and um, supporting me in my refereeing career. To the CEO of the Fiji Rugby, the referee manager, and I thank James. He's uh, always uh, here with us and uh, supporting us and giving advice on uh, what are the things that needs to be done and what needs to be
1: improved That's the Fijian rugby referee Kavini Tilimaiva Velangi The chief executive officer of the organizing committee for the 2019 Pacific Games says Tonga's prime minister should stop interfering with preparations Prime Minister Akilisi Pohiva has told Parliament that he has doubts the country will be ready in time to host the 2019 Games. He said the government had still not found land to build an 18-hole golf course for the Games, and the scheduled upgrade of the Te Faeva Stadium was also in doubt. But Organising Committee CEO Lord Savelle says the problem is Mr Pohiva.
4: It is unfortunate that the Prime Minister has uh, made the statement about the golf course because he has no proper understanding of what's involved. Now, we do not need an 18-hole course. A nine-hole course is sufficient for the purposes of holding the golf tournament during the games. It's been made quite clear to them and to the Golf Association. And that's the planning all along, an upgrading and improving, slight enlarging of the existing golf course.
1: So that current golf course is nine holes as it stands?
4: It is, yeah. But uh, to get it to an international standard, we need a bit of extra land and uh, a bit of improvement. Uh, It's quite uh, doable. Uh, But of course, he's insisting on uh, an 18-hole course. We we have said no, we do not need that because that's going to cost far too much. And uh, in terms of maintenance, we would not be able to do justice to an 18-hole course. He seems not to listen to proper advice. The other thing is also, it is a fact, he has never, nor has government, talked to the estate holder of the land where the golf course is.
1: Are these discussions that you, as chair of the organising committee, have had with the Games Council, with the Prime Minister and the government?
4: Yes, we, we have had meetings that, and um, just about 10 days ago, I was talking to the estate holder, Noble Average uh, Atejo, and he confirmed that there haven't been any approaches or discussions with government as to the land.
1: The advice of the organising committee, you guys believe the best option to do is just to improve the current nine-hole course and and get that to international standards.
4: That has been our advice all along, right from the start, and um, even the committee, uh, when uh, the Deputy Prime Minister was chairing the committee, we all agreed that that's all to go.
1: So who makes that final decision?
4: Well, he, since he came on and took over from the Deputy Prime Minister, the chairmanship of the uh, Auditing Authority, he seems to be taking on his own version of things and the way he wants it done. But, I said, look, let us continue with what we are doing. You guys in government concentrate on what you should be doing, and that is to acquire land and to find the funding.
1: So, so we if they was... got
4: some of the funding, and uh, let us move on with it.
1: So if there was other land and there was funding to upgrade to an 18-hole course, then that's something you could consider. But if that's not the case, just go ahead. No, as we,
4: we looked at 18-hole and it just wasn't on. When when the feasibility study was done, it showed that uh, it was going to, to cost too much. Also, and, and discussed with experts in the field, we, we brought some from New Zealand to advise us and... Uh, their advice was, you know, to maintain an 18-hole golf course uh, is going to be expensive. And we agreed with that.
1: And is the Pacific Games and Council the, comfortable with a nine-hole course?
4: The Pacific Games Council was more than comfortable. And uh, we have conveyed that time and again Prime Minister.
1: The other thing that is mentioned is Tufaiva National Stadium. Papua New Guinea are, of course, helping with the uh, building and improvements of that.
4: We have been told that they will be forthcoming and assisting, but... Uh, we haven't seen anything uh, as yet to confirm that. Be that as it may, I think we as a nation, and I've been, we've been saying this to the Prime Minister, as a nation, it is our responsibility to rebuild Tew the national stadium that we have.
1: Yeah, so Papua New Guinea... Th- and
4: and we, we had planned that. We have got some of the funds and as You rightly said um, New Zealand had contributed some of the funds. We, Tonga should pick up the balance. And it's not that much. As a national stadium, we should be prepared to put our hands in our pocket and fund it. We have the plan, and if, it, if we were allowed to do that, we were going to start the rebuilding of Til Fiva in March of this year, February, March of this year, all ready to go. The Minister of Finance informed us that the funds were there. New Zealand had contributed some funds. And look, it's not insurmountable. our schedule was for the De fiber to be ready by March of next year, so that uh, the proposed visit of the Wales uh, rugby team would take would take place now it's it's not going to happen. My advice is let the the people who are conversant with these type of development people who have been doing this type of work for years, let them continue with it and let the politicians. Be politicians and their function, government's function, is to provide the funding.
1: So, what needs to be done?
4: To to, to move forward.
1: And so, Papua New Guinea have said they are willing to help, but they haven't actually moved on.
4: uh, From what we have been told by government officials, uh, they have not uh, confirmed the funding, the amount, nor the timing of it.
1: So, are you confident that come 2019 these games are going to be ready?
4: If, uh, if the Prime Minister were to step aside from uh, involving himself in these uh, preparations and the planning, we would get it done. And the people of Tonga deserve that. And there's enough goodwill out there uh, among the donors to assist as well. But we as a nation should be also funding a fair proportion of the uh, expenses. In building up these sports facilities which are needed by our growing population, our youth
1: uh, and
2: for
1: the future of home. That's the CEO of the 2019 Pacific Games Organising Committee, Lord Savelli. American golfer Brandt Snedeker lived up to his top billing at the Fiji International, running away with a comprehensive nine-shot victory at Natandola Bay over the weekend. The 35-year-old was the top-ranked player in the field and closed with a four-under par 68 to finish 16 under the card.
5: Couldn't ask for a better start to the day. You know, Birding the first hole out the gate, two of my first three being three under after six you know everything kind I of went went my way hit a lot of quality golf shots and um, just never really let up I got hit one bad shot on 10 and, and got lucky and made a long putt for bogey there besides that I played great so um, great way to cap off the week did, didn't give any back today really and um, was able to happy, really happy the way I finished did a great job calming on the first tee and hitting two quality shots, making a putt there, and that kind of got me off the races. And then hit a lot of quality shots. Just didn't put myself in too much trouble at all, at all day. And you know, one bad shot I hit on 10, I was able to hit a great shot, the on the green, and then made a long putt for bogey. And then after that, I figured if I could get by 12, uh, there's trouble on 11, 12. They're playing tough into the wind. If I get by those two holes if, without any big numbers, I'll be okay and I was able to do that. You never expected where to go through number nine shots. I did not. Did it no. Feel like a it like no. A- yeah, it's funny. This golf course is so brutal that I knew if I let off, if I thought about that for a second, it could be a big number waiting on me. And it about happened on 10. And I was able to survive there, and just kept kept my head down, kept going all day long, and then eventually, uh, you know, that birdie on. I had a couple of good looks at birdie on the back nine, never really happened, but um, you know I knew that the horse was playing so, It kind of worked out perfectly today because it was playing so tough. Nobody could really make a run. There's there's, there's there's no no low scores out there, so it kind of made my job a lot easier.
1: Brandt Snedeker, Vijay Singh is already looking forward to a revamped Natandola Bay course after a frustrating time on home soil. The 53-year-old was a top 10 finisher the past two years, but had to settle for a share of 21st place at two under par.
0: You know, it was a disappointing week. Uh, bad second round, I, th- I guess, kind of got me behind. Uh, I would have loved to have played a little better, but uh, also I'm glad that I'm out of this wind, you know. Um, looking forward to redoing the golf course, uh, you know, for the better, I hope. Uh, it's it's going to be good. It will be more playable, you know, not so... It can't be guiding your shots all the way around. You'd be more free to hit whatever you need to hit, and uh, the greens gonna be the green concept is gonna be better. So I'm looking forward to it. The architect's coming tomorrow morning, yeah, so he's got the plans. So we're gonna go out, and uh, you know, we've got three days to work. We're gonna do six holes per day and uh, get it all finalized. You know, I've seen a few other things today playing it, knowing you know how to how much easier it would be to if the team was in different places. So uh, not easier but more playable. You know,
1: So uh, I think it's going to be good. Fellow Fijian Sam Lee finished one over par for the tournament in a share of 33rd place. FIFA has appointed former Samoa Football Federation CEO Sarai Beerman as its first chief women's football officer. She will lead the newly created women's football division as part of the FIFA management board. A former Samoan Women's International, Beerman was the finance officer and then CEO of the Samoa Football Federation. She then took up a role as operations manager of the Oceania Football Confederation, before being promoted to the role of OFC Deputy Secretary-General. As the only female member of FIFA's 2016 Reform Committee, she was a strong advocate for change within the organisation, in particular calling for concrete requirements on women in leadership positions at FIFA which came into force following unanimous approval at the extraordinary FIFA Congress in February. And that is the World in Sport for this week from RNZ International. I'm Fanny Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening.